Many have wondered about the events that will transpire after the second coming of Jesus Christ and the battle of Armageddon. Will there be a literal new heaven and new earth? Who will populate the earth? When is the end of the human race? And how does all of this culminate? Well, we are going to analyze these events and more on this edition of The End Time Show. Good afternoon, everybody. I'm Dave Robbins with End Time Ministries. Thank you for joining me on this edition of the End Time Show. Now, I had a caller, I think it was a week or two ago, that asked me a question about, asked me several questions about what happens after the time of the second coming of Jesus Christ and the Battle of Armageddon. Questions about the millennium and who gets to live into the millennium and uh, how does all of this culminate? What hap when is the end of the world? And will there be a physical new earth created or a, a physical new heaven? How does all that work? So I thought I would spend some time today on that because it's a, it's a question on many people's minds. And just if you think about the end time show and what we do, we systematically analyze the prophesied events, the coming global war, the Sixth Trumpet War, World War III, mentioned in Revelation 9, verse 13 through 21, that will kill one-third of mankind. The, the end-time world government and its leader, the Antichrist, the world religion and its leader, the false prophet. We talk about these things all the time. Uh, precursors to the mark of the beast, the coming... Israel-Palestinian peace agreement, which marks the beginning of the final seven years leading up to the second coming of Jesus Christ. The building of the third Jewish temple, the, the animal sacrifices that will be resumed, the stopping of them, the red heifers, uh, all of the events that are occurring right now showing how these prophecies are being fulfilled as we speak. We talk about that all the time. However, there is coming a time, and it's very quickly now, when this will all be over. Because we're talking about these events that lead up to the second coming. There, there's coming a time when the battle of Armageddon will come to an end. The, the rapture and the second coming of Jesus Christ will have occurred. That's going to take place before very long. The Antichrist and the false prophet will have been cast into the lake of fire. And the question is, what then? What happens after that? And it's on, the question is on many people's mind. Because the Bible does talk about these things. It foretells events that would occur after the second coming of Jesus Christ and the battle of Armageddon. And that is what I want to focus on today. Yes, we can understand these things. We've talked about it many times. Can we understand end time Bible prophecy and uh, can we understand the events of the millennial reign and things that will happen and how does all this culminate? And what happens after that? 
Some have questioned if at the time of the second coming of Jesus Christ, will this existing world be destroyed by fire and a new literal earth be created? Will the saved individuals go to heaven and the unsaved go to hell at that point? Is this when the great white throne judgment occurs? Is, does that occur at the time when the Lord comes back to gather His church unto Him and establish His kingdom? Is that when the great white throne occurs? There are a lot of questions. And again, these questions and many more are being asked all the time. People want to know. So let's see throughout this program if we can't add some clarity to these discussions. I've seen these discussions on uh, our Facebook pages, on all of our uh, social networking sites. They, I, Doug Norvell and I get these questions just on a daily basis, many of them. And global correspondence, people wanting to know. So that's what we're going to spend time on today. And we're going to begin in Revelation 19. Because Revelation 19 provides a, a chronological order of events, starting with the rapture, the marriage supper of the Lamb, and the second coming of Jesus. And that those are told in... Revelation 19 verses, I'm going to say 6 or 7 down through about 14. The bride hath made herself ready. She's gathered together for the marriage supper of the Lamb in the sky. And then the Lord goes straight to fight on behalf of Israel with the armies of heaven that have been gathered together for the marriage supper of the Lamb in the sky. We go straight to fight on behalf of, uh, of Israel at the battle of Armageddon with the Lord Jesus Christ. All of that is talked about and laid out in order, in, the, in a chronological order in Revelation 19, verses 6 or 7 down through about 14. And then when you get into verses 15 through 21, that portrays events pertaining to the battle of Armageddon, at which the, the, the wrath of God will be poured out. When the Bible talks about the great winepress of the wrath of God, that's the battle of Armageddon. And it's at that point that the Antichrist and the false prophet, who will be the leader of the end-time world government, the leader of the end-time world religion, they are both going to be destroyed when the Lord comes back. Uh, Revelation 19.20 states, And the beast, or the Antichrist, was taken, and with him his religious partner, it's going to be a union of politics and religion in the end time, with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast, and them that worshipped his image, these both were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. So that's right there at the time of the battle of Armageddon. All of that, all of this, um, the kingdoms of this world, and all of this is coming to an end up to this point on the plan of God, for the human race. At the time, at the same time, the Antichrist and the false prophet are cast into the lake of fire, an angel will lay hold upon Satan and bind him for the next 1,000 years. And he will then be combined, confined to the bottomless pit, preventing him from deceiving the nations 
during that 1,000 years. And this is recorded in uh, Revelation chapter 20, verses 1 through 3. So this is kind of the culmination of that, the second coming of Jesus Christ, the battle of Armageddon, and then that's when the end of this age occurs. And that's when a lot, a lot of questions are spiraling around what happens after that. And so we are going to spend today's program answering those questions, uh, what happens on the other side of the second coming of Jesus Christ and the battle of Armageddon because there are some unanswered questions that we need to talk about and the Bible provides the answer to those questions. And I thought you might want to hear about it today. They that understand what is taking place will instruct many. Except a man is born again, he can enter or see the kingdom of God. I don't care what label you've been given or what label you've given yourself, you are essential. You still matter. This is a journey, and when we get to the other side of that, that's where our prize is, that's where our reward is. time is not going anywhere. Satan and the elites of this world don't want you to understand the timeline leading to the second coming of Jesus. You can pinpoint where we are in the end time understand how you fit in and be filled with hope in God's plan by watching the future according to Bible prophecy. Go to intime.com slash future or call 800 in time. That's 800-363-8463. What if you could understand Bible prophecy? Dave Robbins, the host of the End of the Age television and radio programs, is holding a free prophecy conference near you. Gain peace and understanding about what the Bible says concerning end-time prophecy. Call 1-800-END-TIME or visit endtime.com slash events for more information. Welcome back, everybody. And we're going to be talking today about what happens after the second coming of Jesus Christ and the Battle of Armageddon. Before I get back off into the program, I want to let you know and remind you that we are going to Israel again. We went in October, had a great trip. We're going to be going again in Israel on May 17th through the 28th. And... We've got a few spots left for that. My wife, Jana, has to ticket, uh, turn in all the names for the tickets on April the 4th. So if many of you want to go, uh, there are a few spots left. Now, I will tell you, a lot of people have asked, they've had some reservations about going back to Israel because they might have to get vaccinated. You do not have to get vaccinated to go to Israel. I have not been vaccinated. 
and I went in October. So you don't have to worry about being vaccinated or filling out all kinds of paperwork and all this stuff. You don't have to do that. And it was very easy for us to get through customs, had no problems whatsoever. Everybody got through, no problems at all. And many people, most of the tour last time had not been vaccinated either. So you don't have to worry about any of that stuff. It's totally open and we can go over there and just have a great time and see all of the sites, the Temple Mount, Mount of Olives, the Kidron Valley, the, the Plain of Megiddo, the Upper Room, the Tomb, the Sea of Galilee, and all the spiritual experiences. And this will be kind of a unique trip because Doug Norvell and I went together with Irvin Baxter, oh, I don't know, maybe four or five years ago. And Doug and I are going to get to go this time together He'll run a bus, I'll run a bus, but we all stay together and stay with the true group the whole time. So uh, it'll be a great trip and we'll be talking to you in the evening. And one of the things I want you to know is that myself and my wife, Jana, Doug and his wife, Tina, are with the group the whole time. We're not just going to show up and talk for 20 minutes and then leave. And I mean, I know some tour groups do that. We don't do that. We tour with you all day long and it's a, man, it's just a lot of fun and we can talk to you guys and tell you all the stories and bring the Bible to life is really what that's, that tour is all about. And not only seeing the sights, but seeing the spiritual experiences. Many people that have been on these trips with us have never had a true spiritual experience with the Lord. They know about the Word of God and different things, but as far as having a... a, 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 a some of them have never been baptized. Some of them have never um, felt the, the Holy Ghost come on them. And so uh, that happens on our tours every time we go. And every time we go, we baptize the majority of people that go with us. If you've never been baptized, it's a great time. And so um, come with us on the tour and call in 1-800-END-TIME, 1-800-363-8463. Talk to my wife, Jana, or to Brittany Motes, and they can get you registered to go on the tour We've got uh, over 60 now signed up, and we're, we're only going to take 100. So we've got, what, 30, 37 spots, and those will fill quickly. A lot of people want to wait right till the end, but uh, get your name in quickly because once it's filled up, we can't take anymore. We've already given them a, a, a certain amount of numbers. So call in, get, get signed up for the tour. It's always a great time, and this will be another one as well, I'm, I'm sure. Okay, so back into the lesson here. What happens behind on the other side of the second coming, the Battle of Armageddon? Well, let's talk, let's talk about establishing the kingdom of God on the earth because that's really the essence. That's, the, that's, the, um, that's what's going to happen immediately. Actually, at the time of the second coming, the Battle of Armageddon, that's what God is doing. So Satan has ruled the world since the time of Adam and Eve. The Scriptures called him the God of this world in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4. Once he is bound, though, however, a new, a new order will be established on the earth. This order is described in Revelation 20, verses 4 through 6. John said, And I saw thrones, and they that sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them, and I saw the souls of them, now this is during the Great Tribulation. I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, which had not worshipped the beast or the Antichrist, neither his image, 
Neither, neither did they receive the mark in their foreheads or in their uh, right hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. These people that have went through the Great Tribulation. The rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. And when it talks about verse 4, the people that came through the Great Tribulation, it says that those individuals that went to be with the Lord, that this was the first resurrection. People that had gone through the Tribulation. Okay? And the Bible says, Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. But these individuals shall be preached of God and of Christ and shall reign with Him for 1,000 years. So, those that are sitting on the thrones of God at this point, uh, the thrones of God throughout Scripture, um, we are taught, so these individuals that went in the first resurrection, they will sit on the, on the thrones uh, around the throne, and they are the saints of God throughout Scripture. We are taught that all who are born again will rule and reign as kings and priests with Jesus Christ during the 1,000 years when Satan is bound. In Revelation 5.10, the redeemed declared that, and that are declared, the Bible says, and he hath made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. So it's going to be a kingdom here on the earth. God will come and establish his physical kingdom here on the earth. Now, what are we talking about? Things that will happen on the other side of the second coming of Jesus Christ in the battle of Armageddon. After John saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, this group of people lived during the time, had lived during the time of the Antichrist. They did not worship the beast or the Antichrist and did not receive the mark of the beast in their foreheads. They lived and reigned with Christ for that thousand year period. Those who were born again, along with the Old Testament saints. A lot of people want to know, well, what about the individuals who were saved during those different dispensations under, let's say, the tabernacle plan or the temple plan? Those are Old Testament saints. We're all part of the church. They were saved during their different dispensations because they obeyed the plan of God for salvation at that point. We who are born again... Uh, it, we who are in this dispensation now, the grace dispensation, we're born again according to the plan of, of salvation that Jesus Christ purchased on Calvary. We're all going to be part of the church though. And we will be resurrected at the same time. How do I know that? Well, in Revelation eleven eighteen, it says that at the time of the seventh and last trump, that John said that thou should givest reward unto thy servants, the prophets, and to the saints. So we're all going to be gathered together. And now I, I should make a special note here that when those who did not worship the beast or take the mark were resurrected, the passage specifically says that that was the first resurrection. So this obviously means there was not a resurrection prior to that. Okay? Many have taught that there will be a resurrection seven years before this time. However, Revelation 25 
completely eliminates that possibility. Revelation 20 verse 6 teaches that all who have part in the first resurrection will not need to worry about the second death which will take place a thousand years later at the time of the great white throne judgment. And if we are blessed to be a part of the first resurrection, the rapture is what this is talking about, we will be given our immortal bodies. We're judged at that point. The Bible says at the time of the seventh uh, trumpet in Revelation 11 that we're judged at that point. And we will be given our immortal bodies at that time and we will forever have eternal life. And you know everybody, that's why we focus so much time on the prophesied events leading up to the time of the rapture and the second coming of Jesus Christ. Because there is, if you understand these prophecies, there is a sense of urgency on us to prepare as many people as we can for that event. How do we do that? Well, we share the gospel of the kingdom of God across the world. Many of you have partnered with us in that effort, both through your prayers, through um, financial support, and we're very thankful for every single person that does that because you're aiding in our efforts to share the gospel of the kingdom of God around the world, building God's kingdom. And God will bless you for that. The Bible says He will. So, Jesus prophesied about the teaching of the gospel of the kingdom of God around the world in Matthew 24, 14. Remember, it's the Olivet Discourse. He's talking about things, events that will surround His second coming, the end of this age. And He says in Matthew 24, 14, And this gospel of the kingdom, this message that Jesus taught and the apostles taught, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then the end, the end of this age, will come. Not the end of the world. We're talking about the end of the age here because we know that there's going to be another 1,000 years after that, right? It's the 1,000-year millennial reign, and we'll get to that in just a moment. So this teaching of the gospel of the kingdom of God around the world, this is the great commission for the church in the end time. We are to be, if you consider yourself a member of the true church of Jesus Christ, you don't have to wonder, well, what am I supposed to be doing in the end time? Your overall goal should be to share the gospel of the kingdom of God around the world. You say, but yeah, I'm a plumber, or I'm a, I'm a carpenter, or I am a banker, or I'm a stay-at-home mom, which is just as important as anything else. Well, I understand that. We all have different jobs to do in this life, and that's fine. But you can, if you can't be in the ministry work, you can support your church, support ministries that are reaching out and teaching and preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, and that's the way we all work together collectively to share the gospel of the kingdom of God around the world. We're building God's kingdom, and He's going to come back to collect all those that have prepared themselves and we are going to rule and reign as kings and priests with Him in the one, during the 1,000-year millennial reign. Now, a lot of people have asked the question, who will populate the earth during that 1,000 years? Because we're talking about the, the 
saints of God ruling and reigning with Him as kings and priests here on the earth, Revelation 5.10, a physical kingdom here on the earth. How are we going to do that? Who are we going to rule over? The animals? No, there will be mortals that live into the 1,000 year millennial reign. The, the scriptures repeatedly say the, the saved individuals will rule and reign as kings and priests with Jesus Christ on the earth. The big question is, who will we rule over? The answer to this question is found in Daniel chapter 7, verses 11 and 12. Daniel said, he seen a vision, he said, I beheld then because of the voice of the great words which the horn spake, the Antichrist, I beheld even till the beast, the Antichrist, was slain. I just talked about this in Revelation 19.20. It's the exact same thing. At the time of the second coming and the battle of Armageddon. Daniel said, I beheld even till the beast was slain and his body destroyed and given to the burning flame. At that time, now we're talking about the time of the, the battle of Armageddon here in the second coming. As concerning the rest of the beast, they had their dominion taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. So in verse 11, the beast, also known as the Antichrist, will be slain at the time of the second coming of Jesus Christ to the earth. Verse 12 addresses the destiny of the other beasts in Daniel 7, which we teach other lessons that these beasts, they are symbols of nations. The lion with eagle's wings, the bear, the ten-horned uh, the, the ten beast, the four-headed leopard, they symbolize nations that would be on the earth at the time of the second coming of Jesus Christ. So it states when the Antichrist is destroyed and the other nations, they will have their dominion taken away. The ones who were not destroyed, they'll have their dominion taken away. Human governments are going to be done away with. Or their power is going to be taken away. But they will be allowed to live for a season and a time into the 1,000 year reign of Jesus Christ. Therefore, the people who were not killed during the battle of Armageddon will continue to live as mortals on the earth during the reign of the kingdom of God and the saved will be immortal at that time. They will have changed at the time of the rapture they will be immortal individuals, and this means the immortals will rule over the mortal population who are allowed to live into that 1,000-year millennial reign. And a further explanation of this question is found in Zechariah chapter 14, 16. The Bible says, And it shall come to pass that everyone that is left after all the nations which came against Jesus shall even go up from year to year to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. So there will be physical mortals who live into the 1,000 year millennial reign. And that is who the saved individuals will be ruling over for that 1,000 year period. And we're gonna get deep off into this as we get back from the break. The symbols and prophecies within the book of Revelation have perplexed Christians and unbelievers around the world. In his final work, Revelation, The Unveiling of Jesus Christ Part 2, the late Irvin Baxter unlocks the mystery of the book of Revelation with in-depth analysis and commentary like you've never heard before. 
These comprehensive study tools, available for $299, will deepen your biblical understanding. Don't miss this special offer. Call 1-800-END-TIME or go to endtime.com. Hi, I'm Judy Baxter. When Irvin and I got married, we didn't realize that our calling would be a prophetic ministry. Since we started End Time Ministries, there have been many times we weren't sure how we would pay the bills, but God has always provided. We started with the magazine, then went on radio and TV, and now we have the Jerusalem Prophecy College in Israel and online and End of the Age Plus. The mission has always been to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the End Time message. Through the years, my husband would say, we will see revival like never before in the last days. We are living in the end time now. Thank you for walking this journey with us and continuing in prayer. You are a part of the team. Thank you for your generous support. It is necessary for God's purpose. The most important thing is that you are ready when the Lord comes. Our hope is to help prepare you for that day. God bless you and we love you. So we're answering the question here, who gets to live into the millennial reign? We know there will be people that live into, as mortals, on the other side of the second coming of Jesus Christ in the battle of Armageddon. Zechariah 14, 16, again, And it shall come to pass that everyone that is left of all the nations which come against Jerusalem shall go up from year to year to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. So this scripture clearly states that those left of the nations that fought against Jerusalem at Armageddon will go up to worship the Lord during the millennium. So the next question would be, uh, how will God decide who will be allowed to continue living during the 1,000 years? Does everybody get to live into the 1,000 years? The scripture does not clearly explain specifically who will be allowed to continue on the earth. However, we do have a clue from the Old Testament, kind of a precedence that was set. When the children of Israel arrived at the Promised Land after leaving the bondage of Egypt, they did not believe they could possess the land. They had unbelief. And it's, it's always shocked me because of, of all the miracles that God did up to that point, but they still thought, wow, we can't do this. So because of their unbelief, God decreed that every person 20 years old, uh, yeah, 20 years old of age and older would die in the wilderness and would not be permitted to enter the promised land. Those that were under the age of 20 were not held responsible for the unbelief of their parents. So the question then becomes, could it be that God again will not hold young people responsible for the iniquity of their parents? Now, that's a question. Approximately one-third of the world's population today is below the age of 20. And if, and this is a big if, if this rule would hold true, there would still be plenty of people to inhabit and replenish the earth during the 1,000-year millennial reign. God in His infinite wisdom will decide who will be allowed to inhabit the earth into the millennium. 
And I, I wish I could give you a more conclusive answer, but the Scripture simply does not tell us. The number one thing is to make sure your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life and that you've been born again and you're ready to meet the Lord at the time of the rapture. Then you don't have to worry about it. I've had people tell me, well, I'll get ready on the other side of that. On the other side of the second coming of the Battle of Armageddon. I'm like, what are you talking about? The, the, you're, you think you're going to make it through World War III, the Great Tribulation, the Battle of Armageddon, and all of the apocalyptic events that are going to happen in the end time and then get ready on the other side? The thing is, being ready to meet the Lord and obeying the gospel is a heart condition. If people won't get right on this side of the second coming, it's a heart condition. They're not going to get right on the other side. So it's important. Be born again and prepare yourself for the second coming of Jesus Christ. So let's talk about the millennium. After the battle of Armageddon, all human governments will be disbanded and Jesus will be crowned King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Isaiah 2, 2 through 4 describes events during the millennium. The Bible says, uh, And it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow into it. And many people shall go and say, Come ye and let us go up to the mountains of the Lord and to the house of the God of Jacob. And he will teach us his ways and we will walk in his paths, for out of Zion shall come forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And he shall judge among the nations and shall rebuke many people, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. No more war. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. So the headquarters for the kingdom of God upon the earth is going to be located in the city of Jerusalem. And apparently the throne of Jesus Christ will be located on the Temple Mount. And the scripture reveals that He will rule the nations with a rod of iron. He will, he will teach the nations the way of righteousness and peace and he, he, he will tolerate no rebellion. He'll rule them with a rod of iron. There will be no more war upon the earth. And Isaiah tells us that men will beat their swords into plowshares, their spears into pruning hooks, and the people of the earth will learn war no more. The nations will not have armies or military training. There will be no need. There's not going to be one war on the earth for 1,000 years. And th there will truly be peace on earth and goodwill toward men. The scriptures say His rest shall be glorious. Man, won't that be a time? No more war on the earth, no more conflict, no more riots. So later in the book of Isaiah, I think it's Isaiah 65, 17 down through 25, it provides even more details about the millennial. Uh, Isaiah said, For behold, I create a new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered nor come into mind. But be ye glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem a rejoicing, and her people a joy. And I will rejoice in Jerusalem and join my people. And the voice of weeping shall be no more heard in her, nor the voice of crying. There shall be no more thence an infant of days, nor an old man that shall not have filled his days. For the child, this is during the millennial reign, for the child shall die at a hundred years old, 
but the sinner being a hundred years old shall be accursed. And they shall build houses and inhabit them, and they shall plant vineyards. They're going to eat the fruit of them. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For as the days of the tree are the days of my people, and mine elect shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain, nor bring forth for trouble. For they are the seed of the blessed of the Lord and their offspring with them. And it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together. The lion shall eat straw like the bullock and the dust of the serpent's meat. And they shall not hurt nor destroy in all the holy mountains, saith the Lord. So, Isaiah had quite a bit to say about what would happen during the millennial reign. When, you know, and that, that's another question. Uh, when we talk about this new heaven and new earth, a lot of people have a question about that. Is the earth going to be destroyed at the second coming of Jesus Christ, the battle of Armageddon? Not this present earth. When Isaiah prophesied that there would be a new heaven and a new earth, he did not mean that there would be a different heaven and a different earth. He meant the earth would be renovated. We know this because mortals will continue to live and to populate the earth after the battle of Armageddon. If the earth were totally destroyed, the mortals would not survive, right? And the apostle Peter, he also spoke of a new heaven and a new earth. In Peter, uh, I, think, I think it was 2 Peter 3, 10 through 13. Peter said, but the day of the Lord, this is going to help us with the timing of this, but the day of the Lord is going to come as a thief in the night. This, remember, that's at the time of the rapture and the second coming. The day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night in which the heavens shall pass away and with a great noise and, and the elements shall melt with a fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. So a lot of people have said, well, hey, the earth's going to be consumed. See then that all these things shall be dissolved. What manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with a fervent heat? Nevertheless, we, according to His promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness." Okay, so let me, let me unpack that a little bit because <laughs> there's a lot there. The day of the Lord refers to the time of the second coming when God's wrath will be poured out upon the inhabitants of the earth at the battle of Armageddon. The heavens will pass away and the elements shall melt with a fervent heat. This will not be a worldwide occurrence. The battle of Armageddon is going to be localized right there in Israel. So it's not going to be globally or else all of the inhabitants of the earth would be destroyed. The hailstones, the hailstones weighing about a talent, that's not going to fall all over the earth. It's going to be localized right there in Israel. Zechariah 14.12 describes the effects of nuclear weapons which will be used at Armageddon. And, and the Bible says, um, And this shall be the plague wherewith the Lord will smite all the people that have fought against Jerusalem. Their flesh will consume away while they stand on their feet. Their eyes will consume away in their holes. Their tongues shall consume away in their mouth. That's the effects of nuclear weapons. 
nuclear weapons actually melt the elements when they're detonated. And this is what Peter was describing when he said the elements would melt. This will occur around Jerusalem, localized right there in Israel, during the Battle of Armageddon. This is the timing of it all. During the millennium, it appears that world conditions will be restored to the way they were before the fall of Adam and Eve. It's going to be a, it's going to, it, this will be the great reset. You've heard about that. This is not going to be Klaus Schwab in the World Economic Forum, but this is going to be a great reset like after the flood. Kind of a, a, a reset, a realignment. And people back then, uh, with, uh, uh, in, uh, after the, before the fall of Adam and Eve, and around that time, people lived to be almost a thousand years of age. Isaiah 65.20 says a person dying at the age of 100 during the millennium would be considered but a child. So imagine that. Lifespans will be elongated. There will be some people that live almost the entire 1,000-year millennial reign. And the same passage in Isaiah states that the, a sinner will be accursed. There will be sinners during the millennium, but they will be in the minority. Consider the conditions of the earth today, the, 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 our society. Sinners are in the majority. And currently, sinners are in the majority and the righteous are in the minority. But once Satan is bound for that 1,000-year millennial reign, that situation is going to be reversed. Most people will live righteously, but some will live as sinners. And finally, Isaiah said that the wolf and the lamb would feed together, and the lion will eat straw like the bullock. Meat-eating animals are going to be changed to vegetarians. All killing will be suspended. And this wonderful state of peace and the, the banishment of fear will last throughout the 1,000 years of peace. Man, can't you wait for that time? It's going to be a wonderful time. The 1,000-year millennial reign. But what happens after that? Well, guess what? Satan is going to be loosed. And you say, well, that, that's unthinkable. Why in the world we've had this 1,000 years of peace? Because God's got to prepare the earth for the great right throne of judgment. And so we've got to talk about these things. And so on the, I know we're coming up to a break here. I didn't want to cut this next segment short, but we'll talk about why is Satan going to be loosed and how is the world going to be prepared for the great white throne judgment, which is where all of this culminates. And so, wow, there's a lot to this, isn't there? But we want to understand it. It's on a lot of people's minds, and so we want to ask God to help us. I've been part of the End Time family from the beginning over 30 years ago when my parents, Irvin and Judy Baxter, began the ministry from the recliner in our living room. My name is Jana Robbins. I have the pleasure of connecting with our incredible partners every day. Endtime is a small nonprofit that runs a high traffic website, a daily TV and radio show, the Prophecy College in Jerusalem, and more. Although we have less than 30 team members, we are able to serve tens of millions of people each month. We survive on the goodness of God and donations averaging about $50. If everyone hearing this message gave $22, our financial needs would be met for the year. 
If you only give to one cause per month, please consider partnering with End Time to help get the message of our soon coming King out to the world. Call us at 1-800-END-TIME to give today or go to endtime.com to become a monthly or one-time partner. You know, everybody, when, when we talk about these things, I want you to know that me personally, I want to be immortal at this point. I don't want to have to worry about, am I, am I ready to meet the Lord? Uh, you know, have I prepared everything? Is everything ready to go? No, I'm preparing now. I'm making sure I'm ready to meet Him so I can go with Him in the rapture and I can be an immortal individual ruling and reigning with Him as a, a king or a priest during that 1,000-year millennial reign. Uh, that's of utmost importance because I don't want to leave it to chance. I don't want to play Russian roulette with my soul and say, well, you know, I may get ready on the other side. What? There's no way I would wait on that. I'm, I'm 54 years old at this point. I've got to get ready now. I've got to meet the Lord, uh, ready to meet the Lord. So it's very, very, very important. I've had people actually tell me, like I said, well, I'll wait till the other side of this. And I'm like, there's no way. Plus, chances are, it's a heart condition and they wouldn't if they had the chance. So, at this point, at the end of the 1,000 year millennial reign, the Bible says Satan is going to be loosed. Unthinkable. Revelation 20 verse 7 says, And when the thousand years are expired, Satan's going to be loosed out of his prison. And, and that's one of the questions that we have been asked most often. After Satan being bound for a thousand years, why would God turn him loose. Why not just leave him bound and get rid of him? Well, to us, there's really only one plausible answer. If you remember back in the beginning, God gave every human being the power of choice. Adam and Eve had the power of choice to obey, to eat the fruit, or to not. To obey or disobey. Every plan of salvation that has ever been throughout every dispensation, it was an obedience test. Will you obey God and what He told you to do during that dispensation or will you not? Period. Today, will an individual align themselves up to the Word of God and be born again or will they not? It's the obedience test. So, that was Adam and Eve's real choice. Will you obey God or will you not? Every human being from that time until now has been given the same power of choice to choose between good and evil. The world will be very different during the 1,000 year reign of Christ when Satan is bound. In order to provide the same power of choice for those who are on the earth at the end of the 1,000 year millennial reign, God is going to release Satan so the people of the earth can be exposed to temptation. Are you serving God because you want to? Or are you serving God because you've been forced to? Revelation 20 verse 7 through 10 describes what happens next. The Bible says, And when the uh, thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison, shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters 
of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sands of the sea. And they went up on the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about the beloved city. And But there was no war at that point. Because the Bible says God's done. Fire came down from God out of heaven and just devoured them. And the devil that deceived them, he was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone. Where the Antichrist and the false prophet are, the Bible says the beast and the false prophet, the Antichrist and the false prophet have been cast a thousand years prior to that. And Satan and all of them shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. So it's amazing and mind-boggling really that when Satan is loosed, he's going to quickly be able to deceive the world once again. And you would think after enjoying a thousand years with no war, no killing, mankind would have learned that it's, it's lesson, but they're not going to. Revelation 20 verse 8 reveals that Satan will influence the inhabitants of the world to fight against Jesus Christ. It's unthinkable. But verse 9 tells us that the people of the world will become, they're going to come against the beloved city, speaking of Jerusalem, and at that time, the patience of God is going to run out. He's done. Fire is going to come down from God out of heaven and devour those that have gathered against Jerusalem. Fire is going to fall from heaven and consume the mortals, and that's going to be the end of humanity as we know it. This human experience, done. And at that time, Satan is going to be cast into the lake of fire where the beast and the false prophet were placed thousand years before. And then verse 10 declares that Satan is going to be tormented day and night forever and ever. Again, this describes the end of the human experience and the end of Satan himself. It's going to be done. That brings us to, for some, the dreaded great white throne judgment. Not for me, because I'm, I'm a born-again individual, and I'm going to be with the Lord. So the great white throne, not worried about that. If you look in uh, Revelation 20, verse 11 through 12, it says this. John said, And I saw a great white throne. Now, we're, everybody on earth is either going to go in the rapture or they're going to stand before God at the great white throne of judgment. Okay, Everybody listening to me, everybody that has ever lived, everybody that ever will live, you're either going to go in the rapture or you're going to stand before God at the great white throne. Revelation 20, 11, 12, John said, I saw a great white throne and him that sat upon it, whose face from the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was no place found for them. There's not going to be any hiding. There's not going to be no excuses. You're going to stand there and the God of heaven who knows every secret who knows everything you've ever done, every work, everything, everything. You say, well, yeah, but I, there's just one thing he doesn't know about. Uh-uh. He knows everything. There was no place found to hide. John said, and I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. The books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. 
and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. One of those books is going to be the Bible, the Word of God. Probably be good for you to read it on this side of that event, right? I need to read the Bible. I've got to align my life up to this book. The passage describes the final judgment when all the dead, small and great, will stand before God. And it also tells us the books were opened. This is apparently refers to the books containing the records of the deeds done by every person while on earth. And then it states another book was opened, the book of life. The book of life contains the names of all those who will be saved. The scripture says the dead will be judged out of those things written in the books according to their works. So it's very important. I've got to get my works right. I've got, to, I've got to do what I can to align myself up to the Bible. Many people protest loudly that they will not be judged. We're not going to be judged according to our works. There are people that say that. Yet every one of the seven churches described in Revelation 2 and 3 were told, I know your works. God is watching. Your works won't save you. But the Bible says in the end time you'll be judged according to your works. This is Bible, folks. Revelation 20 verse 13 says, And the sea giveth the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man, here it is, according to their works. Have you been born again? Man, you better get it. you got to make sure you're prepared to go. All of those whose ashes were spread across the sea in an attempt to escape the judgment of God will be brought back. Some people say, well, I, I, I've been, I'm going to be cremated. I'm not going to have to worry about it. Nah, that's not how it's going to work. All of the graves will yield up their dead to stand before the Creator and the judge of the universe. Nobody's going to escape it. And it is repeated in verse 13. And they were judged every man according to their works. Finally, death and hell will be cast into the lake of fire. And this is what's called the second death. And then the, the, there's going to be the, the somber declaration. It's given in Revelation 20, 15. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And so what's the most important thing in all of our lives? What do we have to do? All of us must ask this question. What must we do to get my name included in the Lamb's book of life? There's no more important question on the planet, folks. If our name is found in the book of life, we will live forever with our Lord. If our name is not written in the book of life, the scripture declares that He will cast us into the lake of fire. And the Bible says, remember, the Bible says there will be people who stand before the Lord someday and said, hey, we did many mighty works in your name and uh, we cast out demons and healed the sick and did all these other things. And, and He's going to say, depart from me, you work of iniquity. I, I, never even, I don't even know who you are. And so you got to get your name in the book of life. He's been writing names in that book for thousands of years. You say, well, how do I get my name in the book of life? Very important. John 3, 1 through 7. Remember when the Pharisees, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. He was a ruler of the Jews. The Bible says he came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, 
we know you're a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that you're doing except God be with him. And Jesus just peeled away all the layers of the onion. He went to the core of the issue and he said, Nicodemus, verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man's born again, he can't see the kingdom of God. Well, Nicodemus said back to him, well, well, born again, how can a man be born again when he's old? You got to enter again into his mother's womb and be born a second time? Jesus said, no, verily, verily, I say unto you, Nicodemus, except a man's born of the water and the spirit can enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, that which is born of spirit of spirit. But marvel not that I say unto you, Nicodemus, you must be born again. And so it's of utmost importance today that you are born again. We offer a brochure here at End Time. What do you mean born again? A lot of people don't even know what it means to be born again. They think, well, hey, if I just believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, I'll be saved. The Bible does say that, but there's, a, there's more to it than that. The Bible says the devil, devils believe in one God and tremble, doesn't it? The Bible says, he that cometh to God must first believe. So what do I need to do to prepare for the soon coming of Jesus Christ and to be a king and priest with him for that 1,000-year millennial reign? I've got to be born again. And so if you can go to endtime.com slash reborn, read the Born Again Plan of Salvation, and let's talk about it. Let's have the conversation. And I know most of you listening to us today are probably already born again. I get that. But for the, if there's one person that's listening that has not got your salvation, if you're not prepared to meet the Lord, we need to have that conversation. Because there are things that will happen post the second coming of Jesus Christ in the battle of Armageddon. And I want to be on the Lord's side at that point, living for Him as an immortal. And I'll have my salvation set at that point. So God bless you all. I hope this added some clarity to the discussion that many are having. And look forward to talking to you again this week.